0: So, um, as we jump into today's sermon, I I just want to give you guys a little heads up. About half of you are really going to enjoy this message. It's going to be right up your alley. It's going to resonate with you. You're just going to be nodding your head the whole time. And then there's another half of you that you're going to really struggle with this message. You're going to be tempted to want to wanna ignore it or say, no, this isn't for me. This isn't just, just not the way that I'm wired. And what I, what I want to say to you is I want you to try and fight through that. So let me deal with those first, the half of you who are going to enjoy this message. So how many of you out there are planners? You like to plan things out. Like for 2014, yeah, let, let's see some hands. For 2014, like you've already started to map out your vacation. You, don't, you may not know exact details, but like you pretty much know when and maybe even where you're going to be going, okay? Yeah, now for you non-planners, don't give them those evil looks, okay? It's, it's all right. That's, that's what they do. They like to plan. Like their idea of a good time is just taking an evening just to research and just to plan and get out the calendar. And I know the other half of you right now, your skin's starting to crawl, just thinking about having to do that. And maybe some of you are married to a planner, and so you you go through this, right? So for the rest of you, you're free spirits. Where are you? Free spirits? Raise them proud. Come on, you're you're so free you can actually raise your hand. It's, It's cool. Okay. So now, you guys are the spontaneous ones. The idea of a plan is so restricting. I mean, how can we know six months from now what we're going to feel like doing and what we're going to want to do until we actually get there and we do it, right? So you like to live in the moment, and planning just feels so, "uh, you know, I don't want to have a plan. And, and so you guys, you guys, I'm, seriously, you when you hear this message, there's going to be a huge temptation. Many of you are just going to, like, just totally tune me out. You're going to just free spirit yourself somewhere else during this, during this sermon. You're going to do it. But here's the thing. As much as the planners are going to like this message, this message is even more for you, free spirit. So please, please hang with me. Now, we may be divided over this whole planning issue, but there is one thing in this room that unites us, that we can all agree on. And that one thing is that we all are here because we want to grow spiritually, that's why we're here. Actually, I'd say 98% of us. There's 2% of you guys, and you got dragged in here kind of against your will this morning, and we can see the heel marks like from the parking lot and all the way in here that you got pulled in. And, and so I just want to let you know, it's it, about an hour and five minutes, you're going to be out of here, so you can pretend like you're texting me that you're going to go on the production team, like John said, and just kind of tune out. Okay, it, it's going to be okay. We're going to get you through it. But for about the, 98% of us who are here, The reality is, if there is a God, we are here because we want to get to know that God better. And we want to understand what God has for us. We want to be spiritually strong. That is why we're here. But here's the interesting thing. For most of us, And this is true for planners as well as free spirits. For most of us, even though this is something that we want, we want to be spiritually strong. We want to have a great relationship with God. For most of us, we don't have a clear game plan for how to make that happen. Now, this is actually crazy if you stop and think about it. Because in every kind of other phase of life, we actually have plans in place for the things that we desire for the things that we want. And this is true for free spirits and for planners. Okay, the free spirits their plans just come like, you know, 2 minutes just before whatever's about to happen, all right? And it's a lot looser than uh than the planners or it's not as it's not as nailed down. But the reality is just about everything we do, we have a plan. Think about it. Think about a sport that you like to play, okay? Do you you ever go into that sport, say it's a team sport of some sort, Okay, and you're about to go into a game or a match, and you just have no game plan whatsoever for for who's going to do what and how it's going to happen? No, you'd get killed out there if you did that. You always have a game plan when you play sports. How about work? In your work you just show up to work, you know, just not really sure of what you're going to do? You don't have any plan in place for what the day or what the week's going to look like? If you do, I just want to just advise you on something. You better be putting plans in place to get your resume together and be trying to find a new job because you're just not going to stick around very long, right? In, in our work, we have something called a job description. It's, it's, it's a plan for how we're going to do what we're responsible for and get it done, think about your vacation now free spirits this is even true for you even if you'd like to wait till the very last minute and be super spontaneous do you just get into your car just just get into your car nothing packed and just say hey should i go north south east or west no you have some sort of a game plan in place for your vacation. It may not be everything nailed down, but the reality is we think about the things in life that we do, the things that we want to have happen. We have a a plan in place to make it happen and to get where we want to go. So when I was in high school, the thing that I really wanted more than anything else was I really wanted to have a girlfriend. That's what I wanted. And, um, so even though I was like a, just a total chick magnet, and I'll show you a picture of what I looked like in high school, right? Okay. So even, <laughs> even though I was just a, a total chick magnet, as you can, as you can see, for whatever reason, I, it just, it's going to blow your mind like it did mine, I just couldn't get a date. I, I don't know what it was, but it wasn't happening. The thing that I really wanted wasn't happening. Now listen, I knew what I wanted to happen. I wanted to get a girlfriend. But I had no plan in place to make it happen. So guess what? It didn't happen. It just didn't didn't happen. And what was so interesting was that it it actually wasn't until I came up with a plan that I was able to to make it happen and get my first girlfriend. And my plan, it was so brilliant. I got to share it with you, especially, you know, for you high schoolers up there that, that are listening. You know, this is just a, one, one idea. It was, this was my plan, all right, because it wasn't working for me without a plan. So uh, I lived in Cincinnati, Ohio. The third largest amusement park at the time was called Kings Island. It was just up the street from my house. And so there were about 3,000 teenagers who were employed there every summer. And so I decided those were some good odds. So I was going to sign up and I was going to work at Kings Island and I wasn't going to work in rides and I wasn't going to work in games and I wasn't going to work in food. No, no. I was going to work in a place that I hated the most, retail. I worked in retail because that's where the girls were, you see? So I worked in my shop. There were 23 girls and two guys. Now that, my friends, is a plan. And it worked. All right? So... Here's the deal, okay? And and this is just common sense. Even free spirits, just stay with me, okay? Stay with me here. If you want something to happen, and it's actually going to happen, 99% of the time, the reason it happens is because there's a plan in place to make it happen. Even if it's last minute, even if it's super flexible, 99% Ninety-nine percent of the time, whatever you want to have happen, there's a plan in place to make it happen. Look at Proverbs 13:16. I got this from an old translation called "The Living Bible translation. I love what it says: "A wise man thinks ahead. A fool doesn't, and even brags about it." What is this proverb, this wisdom saying in the Old Testament? What, what's it saying here? It's wise to have a plan. Because a plan helps you get where you want to go. So, as we're closing out the year 2013, and as you think about this next year that's ahead of us, 2014, right? Whether you're into New Year's resolutions or not, I'm not really into the whole resolution thing. But as you think about entering a new year, if you're here today, it's because you want to grow in your faith. You want to be spiritually strong. You want to have a better relationship with God. That's why we're all here. So here's my question for you, and free spirits, please write this down. So what is your plan for how you are going to grow in 2014? What's your plan? I want to share with you um, just two pieces of my plan for how, kind of how I'm going to grow spiritually in 2014. This isn't the whole plan. I've just given you two. And I'm not sharing these with you, saying that you have to do these things. But what I want to do is just share a couple things that, that I've been doing recently that I'm carrying into the new year. And maybe it'll spark something in you. Maybe you'll want to try one of those things. Or maybe it'll just give you a chance to think about, wh- what does my plan look like? Many of you are already doing things, okay? But, but have you actually taken the time to, to articulate and write down and define what your plan is and evaluate it a little bit? So here, here's the, the two pieces of my plan for 2014. The first one is to read and pray to start each day. To read and pray to start each day. Now, you may be sitting here going, man, but you're a pastor. I mean, you you like have to do that. You just wake up doing that without even thinking about it. And it's funny because John actually talked about this a week ago last Sunday that maybe some of you have in your mind that like that's what pastors do all day. They like, just read and pray. Um, and especially to start each day. But I, I got to tell you, th- this one is a huge struggle for me because even though I work full-time for a church, there are so many things to do. And I'm super type A, want to check off the to-do list. And so I wake up in the morning, and there's, my brain's going a million miles an hour. And you know, God will understand if, you know, if I don't read and pray, right? I mean, but I, I got to get to all these different things that I'm trying to get done. And so this has been one of the, the, the biggest struggles for me in my life, is actually just, just to get into a really good routine in terms of being able to pray and, and to read my Bible, and not so much to like pray for you guys and stuff like that, or to pray with other people. That's, that's easy, but to pray for myself, to read for myself. And so, um, so anyway, um, I, I got this, this inspiration for this from, from Jesus in the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. And according to Mark's gospel account of Jesus' life, in, uh, in chapter 1, verses 29 to 38, he captures something that Jesus does here. And so let me just set the scene for you. So this is early on in Jesus' ministry. He's called some of his disciples to follow him. They're in a place called Capernaum. And Jesus has been teaching in the synagogue, and he's been healing people, and word about him and his miracles is spreading like wildfire. And so... They've been in the synagogue, and we pick it up in verse 29. It says, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Now, Simon would later be nicknamed what by Jesus? Does anybody know? Peter. Okay, so that's Peter, but for now, he's known as Simon. Okay, so Jesus goes to Simon and Andrew's house. It says, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them, as all good mother-in-laws should do. Right there. I just spent a week with mine. It was beautiful. Um, Okay, so then, that evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered... At the door. Now, we're not sure if Mark is literally meaning the whole town was physically gathered at the door, like every single human being, or if he's basically just saying, man, it was like everybody in the whole town was there. It was so amazingly packed and crowded and the line was down the street. But nevertheless, it says that the whole town was there and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. Now, check this part out. It's kind of interesting. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. What's up with Jesus not letting the demons speak? Well, as far as I see it, it's pretty simple. Jesus is like, listen, this is my deal. I've come here. I'm going to be the one to make the announcements. I'm going to declare who I am. And there ain't anybody else who's going to speak for me. So demons, you can just be quiet. I'm casting you out. And that's, that's the end of it. Then it says very early in the morning. So we don't know how late Jesus was up. We just know that the whole town was there. Tons of people getting healed. We don't know how how long that took, but very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And we see in other accounts, I know Luke, for example, talked about how this was a habit that Jesus did. He often withdrew to lonely places, and he prayed. Now, check out what comes next. Verse 36, it says, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Okay. Do you think you're a busy person with a pretty demanding schedule? Okay, man, it's still dark. Jesus like ran off to get some alone time with his heavenly father and they tracked him down. I mean, all you got to do is flip the off switch on your phone. Okay. Jesus was literally like running to try and find a solitary place where he could pray. And so it says, when they found him, he said, everybody's looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. What I love about this passage is Jesus is so incredibly busy. The demands on his time, on his schedule, are insane. Okay? So no matter how busy you and I think we are, it pales in comparison to what Jesus faced day in and day out. And look at what Jesus is doing here. He is carving out time to, to pray and to get in tune with his heavenly father. And what's interesting is, is that this shapes where he goes next. He's so in tune with his heavenly father that he realizes, hey, I could stay here, I could do more here, but it's time to move on. I've got a mission to accomplish here. So that's how Jesus starts his day. And so what I've been doing this past month or so is that's how I've been starting my day. So uh, I I told you that this was a a big struggle for me, okay? And, And the way it goes a lot of times is I'm like, okay, I get up and... And I decide, okay, well, you know, I know I need to do that at some point, but I'm going to get in and get some email done first. And, and then I've got a few meetings and, and then I'll get to it. Or, you know, I'll do it at night. And it just, it, man, that is just, for me, that just doesn't work. My brain gets going, my schedule gets going. It just doesn't happen. And day after day, kind of that same thing happens, that same pattern. Anybody, can anybody relate? You don't have to show hands, but, but you, you kind of know that feeling where you, you know it's something you want to do, you want to make it a priority, but you really struggle to get there. So what I've been doing is I have been trying to start every day by reading and praying. And so what I've been doing is I've been getting up earlier than I normally do, like at least 30 minutes earlier than usual. And I grab my Bible and I grab a pad, notepad, and I go downstairs and I grab a bowl of cereal and I make myself some tea because I'm British and that's what British people do. So, um, so I do that and I, I set down my Bible. And I open it up and I've started in the gospel of Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four gospel accounts of Jesus' life. And so what I basically am doing is I'm having breakfast with Jesus. Okay. I still can't shake the multitask thing out of me. I'm like obsessed with multitasking and accomplishing as much as I can, like like a crazy Washingtonian, right? And so it's like, well, I'm having my breakfast and I'm also kind of, you know, I'm having breakfast with Jesus. So I'm doing two things. It kind of works for me. And so what I've been doing is it just kind of been taking this red letter challenge. Now I don't know if you guys know what what the red letters in a Bible are, but basically there's some Bibles and everything that Jesus said is written in red ink and everything else is in black. And so what I've been doing is just starting in the Gospel of Matthew, I have just been reading through the red letters. And what I do is I have it out and I'm eating my bowl of cereal and I just start reading. And Matthew's a great place to start. It's the first gospel, but um, you actually feel really good the first day because you can get all the way to like Matthew chapter three and a half before Jesus says anything. So you've already made some good progress and you feel like you're getting ahead of, of the curve. And so um, so I get in and I just start reading a little bit of what Jesus said. And then when when something strikes me as interesting or relevant, or maybe confusing, or whatever, I, I just get, get out my notepad, and I, just, I write down that verse, or little passage in my notepad, and then, and then I, because I'm, I don't know, I have trouble focusing sometimes, uh, it, when, when it's just me and God, and I'm, I'm pr- praying, um, I, I use my notepad as kind of a prayer journal, and so I just start to write, hey, you know, this is interesting what you said here, and you know, yada, 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 and, um, and that's, that's kind of how I get started in my day. And uh, this can last just a few minutes or maybe 15 or 20 minutes. But this is such a powerful, powerful exercise for me. And here's why this is powerful. And I touched on this back on December the 15th. We, the message was about how Jesus was named Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we talked about how if Jesus is God, then we don't have to wonder all these things about what does God think about this and how does God you know, feel about this situation? Because God actually came down to this earth if we believe Jesus is God, God actually came down. And anything that Jesus said, it's like just God saying it. Jesus is God, so this is what God thinks about this or this is how God interacted in this situation. And so I've just been reading everything that Jesus said. And I've just been taking it as absolute, like, okay, this is, this is God speaking directly into my life. I'm just treating this like Jesus is talking straight to me. And this has been an absolutely powerful, powerful exercise. And I will tell you that if you're here, okay, and there's about 20% of you who are here, and you aren't necessarily on board with this whole Christianity thing, you're still trying to figure it out, and you're not sure, uh, you know, who Jesus was exactly. But here's what is undeniable, no matter what you think about Jesus, Jesus is one of the most influential people who ever lived. And his teachings are so deep, so profound, so life-changing, that whether you think that Jesus was God, Jesus is your personal savior, or whether you just think Jesus was a great teacher, there is some incredible wisdom to be gleaned from Jesus. And so no matter where you are on the spiritual spectrum, This is something that you can get on board with and can be really, really beneficial to your life. For me, starting this way, it it helps me to kind of calibrate my thoughts and my perspective on the day. You know, you wake up and you got a million things that you got to do and stuff that's on your mind and being able to instead kind of start with something that Jesus said to, to, to kind of launch your day and give you a different perspective is a powerful, powerful thing. Um, The other thing that's interesting, and I don't know how many of you guys uh, have seen this book. I think it came out last year. It's called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. Um, Really interesting book on on how we have habits and, and kind of their influence on our lives. And Duhigg talks about something called a keystone habit. And a keystone habit, the deal is, he's looking at research and and different studies that have been done. And he says, there's certain habits that we have called keystone habits, and they trigger other habits to happen. So if you can identify the keystone habit, then it will have a positive ripple effect on other things in your day. Well, I have found that for me, getting up early and starting each day the right way, which for me is by reading and praying, it, it, it generates momentum. And this is what keystone habits do. They generate momentum for you. You get off to a great start, and then other things become easier. You have a, a, almost like a, a sense of uh, increased willpower to be able to then conquer and tackle other things. And so there's this, there's this incredible ripple effect from these keystone habits. And this is one For me, And so I don't know if that is one for you, but man, he talks over and over about how for so many people, it has to do with how you start your day, uh, that that is a keystone habit for so many people. So that's my first one in my plan. I'm not saying that you have to to, to take that on, but my first one is to read and pray to start each day. Now, let me give you the second one. The second one is to employ manpower, employ manpower manpower. Now, this is something that Jesus did very effectively, okay? He had a mission, okay? He had certain things that he had to accomplish while he was here, but he did not do this mission alone. He had 12 guys that he gathered and and basically spent three years of his life building into. And they were a team. They did stuff together. In fact, they spent 24 hours a day, seven days a week together. And so this team that Jesus built into, this was him leveraging manpower. But what's really important for us to remember is that this wasn't just like a teacher-student relationship. It wasn't a mentor-mentee. I mean, yeah, he did a lot of that and he was building into these 12 guys, but they actually, they, they did life together and, and he needed them like they needed him. And I want to just read to you from the Gospel of Matthew. This is uh, the tax collector Matthew. It's his account of Jesus' life. Matthew was the one who Jesus called from his, his uh, life of collecting taxes and corruption to follow after Jesus. And so uh, Matthew writes it toward the end of his account in chapter 26. He, he captures a moment that just gives us this great window of insight into Jesus and his relationship with his disciples. So this is just before. Jesus is, um, is captured and executed for his claims to be the Messiah and all the trouble that he had stirred up in Jerusalem. And so they're in this place called Gethsemane, where they were praying, and Jesus was no, knew what was about to happen to him. And so you'll see what's happening next. I mean, it's, it's not a good scene. Starting in verse 36, it says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And then he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. The sons of Zebedee were James and John, so two other disciples. And Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus is completely losing it. He knows what's about to happen, and he is coming unglued. And look what he says to Peter, James, and John. He says, stay here and keep watch with me. He needed his disciples. He had to have them. When you realize, now, if you, if you believe that Jesus Christ was God who came down to this earth, and you think about this, this is amazing. God in human flesh still needed other people. He can't do this by himself. So as I see this passage, I realize that if Jesus needed extra manpower the son of God in human flesh, if he needed extra manpower, how much more do I need extra manpower in my own life? Now, um, for the past 10 years or so um, that my wife Becky and I have been at this church 10 or 11 years, we have been involved in community groups. We've been involved in a number of different community groups with a number of you guys who are sitting here this morning. And um, this past fall, our, our things just got so crazy. And part of it is because my schedule requires me to work a lot of odd hours and evenings. And then my wife is a nurse, and so she works a lot of odd hours and evenings. And then our kids are starting to get older and getting in activities and stuff like that. And so we just looked at the schedule for the fall, and we just, we just didn't, we're like, we can't, we just don't know how this is going to work. And so we just, we step back for the fall. And in stepping back from community groups, what was so clear to me was how much I need that manpower in my life. And so um, just within the past few weeks, I have um, found some guys that, that we're going to get together and, uh, and we're going to form a group. And we've, we've already actually started meeting. And so as we head into 2014, that's just going to be something we do. And we've kind of found a schedule and a time and a place that works, works for all of us, works well for us. And uh, this is just that extra manpower that I need in my life. Um, just, just some guys that I can just say, hey, man, here's, here's my struggle. Here's, here's what I'm dealing with right now. Here's what I need you to pray for me. Um, here's, the, here's the questions that I have, and just to be encouraged that there's other guys that I can just totally be real with and, uh, and, and just do this journey with. So John already mentioned this in the announcements this morning, but uh, the next two Sundays, we are doing community group signups. So Sunday, January 5th and Sunday, January 12th, we're gonna be starting a whole bunch of new community groups. And I just want to encourage you Okay, if you are not in a community group, okay, if if you feel like you're kind of, when it comes to your faith, when it comes to your spiritual journey, you're kind of doing it alone, this is the perfect time as we start a new year and you think about your game plan to grow spiritually. What better thing to do than to employ some manpower or some girl power? you know, whatever, whatever it takes. But the next two Sundays, we're going to be doing signups. We're going to have, you just show up next week. You're going to have all the the group options in front of you. You'll be able to pick and choose and see what they're studying and all that good stuff. And it's a great time to jump in. So I, I really encourage you to think hard about that one. But here's the thing. So those are just two aspects of my plan for how I'm going to stay spiritually strong in 2014. Don't by any means feel like you have to follow my plan. But make sure you answer the question, what is your plan? Free spirits, I'm talking to you. What is your plan for how you grow spiritually? You know, maybe for some of you here this morning, maybe your plan simply starts with making a commitment to come to church every Sunday that you're in town. Maybe that's the starting place for your plan. Because maybe right now, it just depends on you know how late you were up the night before and how you're feeling that morning and who's around and if you got invited somewhere for breakfast or whatever. And, and hey, that's cool. I, I'm not, there's no judgment here. But, but as you really sit and think about the, the past year and as you start to look to 2014, maybe for you it's just like, hey, that's my game plan. I, every, every Sunday I'm in town, I'm coming because this this is a way that really helps me to grow. Or maybe you're here and you know you love to serve. Like service is your thing. When you roll up your sleeves and you get your hands dirty and you're doing stuff, that's that's when you come alive. And that's when you get the sense of, of God's presence and activity going on in your life. And you know it's a faith builder. But maybe right now, it just kind of serving is just, you know, kind of whenever it works. And a lot of times it doesn't. And, and maybe your game plan as you head into 2014 is to, is to join a team or to, to actually get involved with one of our partner missions organizations and make a commitment to serve on a regular basis and build your schedule around that. Because that's how you grow. That's how your faith builds. Or maybe for you, it has something to do with your finances. Maybe for you, you realize that, that every time you, you do something financially, like you give, you stretch yourself a little bit, something happens in your faith. Something happens in your relationship with God. I'm not saying that, that that's what you have to do. W- what is your plan? What does it involve? We're, we're starting a new year. This is a perfect time to, to actually sit down and put a game plan together for how you grow. Because in life, 99% of the time, when we want something to happen and it actually happens, it's because there's some sort of a plan in place to make it happen. Now, there may be some of you who are here this morning, and you're like, you know, I I already, I'm doing a bunch of this stuff. Like, I'm good on this thing. Like, there's all, I'm serving, I'm in a community group, and you know, I'm reading my Bible, and I'm, I'm doing all these different things, all right? Here's the question that I have for you you may be doing a lot of different things, but have you actually taken the time to write down what is your plan? And here's why this is important. Because when you write it down and you clearly define it, then you can evaluate it. What's working? Like, what do you love? What what just totally jazzes you and, and is a great boost for your faith? And what things need some tweaking and adjusting? Maybe there's some stuff that you're doing and you're just realizing, man, I, don't, I, 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 need, I need something different here. Uh, at least for me, my plan changes all the time. I'm, I'm constantly tweaking and adjusting to make sure that I'm growing. So if you feel like you've got a plan, have you articulated it and have you evaluated it? This is the perfect time to do that as we close out 2013. Now, I just want to say one more thing and then we're done. Um... If this message has caused your stress levels just to kind of rise up and you're just like, great, Derek, this is awesome. It's just one more thing on my list of things to do, and now I'm feeling all guilty because, you know, I should have a plan and I don't really have a plan, and this is just like totally freaking me out, okay? You have got to listen. Even if you've tuned out the whole message, okay? Hear me say this. God doesn't want something from you. God wants something for you. God doesn't want something from you. God wants something for you. Listen, listen, listen. We don't do these things for God's sake, okay? God's just fine. I talked to him this morning. He's good. Okay? God doesn't need whatever we can give to him. God is totally self-sufficient, all right? Not insecure in any way. You don't do this for God's sake. You do this for your sake. To experience the peace that comes from knowing God. The joy that comes from understanding how much God loves you and what God's done for you. You know, when we worship, it's simply loving God back. It's reciprocating what he's already done. We don't do this because God wants something from us. God wants something us. And all I'm saying is this, don't get all stressed out. Don't feel like, oh my gosh, no, I got to walk out of here. I got homework. This is terrible. Okay. No, that's, that's not it. But let me just, just wrestle with this. Okay. You might just totally disregard it, but wrestle with this. If you want to grow spiritually, you got to have a plan. Free spirits, you hate me right now, but if you want to grow spiritually, you've got to have a plan. And all I hope for all of you, this has been my prayer for the past two weeks putting this message together, is that before we finish out 2013, we got a couple days left, I hope you'll just take a few minutes to think about what is my plan as I head into 2014. So let's pray. God, we just want to say thank you for The fact that just about every single one of us in this room is here because we want to grow in our faith and we want to know more about who you are and what that means for us. God, we want to grow in our relationship with you. We thank you that we have that desire to want to do that, God. um, But I just pray for everyone, myself included, that you would give us the discipline to put a plan together. And God, that you would give us the insight to know what is a good, realistic working plan for each one of us, looks different for each one of us. But show us what that is, God. And I just pray for every single person in here in terms of their spiritual journey, that Father, that this year, 2014, would be their best one yet. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so uh, as you guys head out today, I just want to remind you of something. Uh, we have our, our prayer team that's going to be over here on this wall. Maybe this year was great, or maybe it was a year you can't wait to close the books on. Our prayer team would love to pray for you. If you're feeling thankful and want to pray, or you have a prayer request you want to pray for, they're awesome. And, um, and if you're new to Grace, we have Grace in 5 that'll be going on. There'll be a countdown clock behind me. I'll be over there to tell you everything that you need to know about Grace in 5 minutes or less in two minutes and 52 seconds. You guys have a great week and a happy new year. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.